0: Katie Holmes was renowned as the passive, mild third wife of Tom Cruise. Then, one day in 2012, she would prove the media wrong. The meek wife of the face of Scientology had been underestimated by just about everyone. Welcome to Scandal from Shameless Podcast, the stories of the biggest celebrity controversies revisited. Michelle Andrews, we are back for part three. Zara McDonald, I am... Friggin' excited for this episode. We have been working on this one for so long, and every time we found a new detail or fact, I was like, man oh man, I cannot wait
1: to get behind the microphone. I think we edited and revised and re 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 revised and re edited this (laughs) script about 17 times. That's how much time we've spent in it. But it is an incredible story, and I know that feels like a lot of clickbait from the top, but this is probably gonna be my favorite part of this three part series. Mm. We came off last week, the divorce between Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman and what do we learn there? Well, we learned that according to former church officials that Nicole Kidman
0: was allegedly distanced from her children, and according to actress Leah Remini, was even labelled as a suppressive person because she didn't want to join the church.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think the other thing we learn is how much power, again, David Miscavige has in the relationships mm. of Tom Cruise. I mean, we learned that David Miscavige was allegedly one of the key reasons why Tom and Nicole split because he was actively, again, reportedly trying to get them to break up. We also learned that he wasn't reportedly a huge fan of Penelope Cruz. And then most interestingly, I think Mish, we learned through a report from Vanity Fair David and Shelley Miscavige allegedly tried to set up Tom Cruise with a younger member of the church. That also didn't work out. It did not work out. So we are picking this episode up, Zara,
0: with a single Tom Cruise who is about to meet a woman that he would then call the love of his life.
1: Yeah, let's rewind and introduce the audience to that woman. It is Katie Holmes and we're going to her childhood. All right, Zara, who is Katie Holmes? Well, unlike Tom, what's really interesting about Katie Holmes is she very much grew up in this classic all American, seemingly very happy home. She mm. was like the ultimate all-American girl, maybe like the ultimate girl next door. She was the youngest of five children, four girls, one boy. Her mum was a stay-at-home mum and a philanthropist. Her dad was a lawyer. This is something that should be on the Disney Channel.
0: This sounds quaint. They live in Ohio. She went to an all-girls private school. She loved going into the school musicals and plays, and it sounds like, from all accounts... This was pretty idyllic as far as childhood goes.
1: Very much so. I mean, according to Rolling Stone, she had a very sheltered childhood. She was an honours student. Her bedroom was reportedly peppered with posters of Leonardo DiCaprio. And Rolling Stone reported that the hardest days of her life were ones when one of her brother or sisters left for college.
0: Yeah. And when she sat down with Rolling Stone, she was 19. So they were really getting her when she was on that precipice of kind of launching off into adulthood. That said, it is a very sheltered existence to say the worst day of my (laughs) life was when my
1: sister went to college. But good on it. It's lovely. Full of love. At 19, she'd only been to one concert in her life as well. So this was someone who just seemed to kind of just float through the first 18, 19 years of her life. Yeah, well, she had her innocence
0: protected, which is actually really refreshing to see in a celebrity, because as we know, a
1: lot of celebrities have their childhoods kind of mined so they can become famous. Yeah, exactly. So when she was 19 and she did this story with Rolling Stone that we've already mentioned a couple of times, she said, I'm just learning myself what the real world is like. I'm glad I could wait this long before I had to deal with reality.
0: Yeah. So at this point in time, she has just freshly become famous. She has one big screen debut under her belt. It was a smallish film called The Ice Storm. It was the very first film she had ever auditioned for. She was 18, she got the part and that was what kind of catapulted her to stardom and landed her on the radar of the people who were doing the casting for Dawson's Creek.
1: Yeah, fun fact before we get to Dawson's Creek as well. She was reportedly offered the lead role in Buffy and turned yes. it down to finish high school, which is another really quaint <laughs> fact too. I love her. <laughs> I do too. So then we've got Dawson's Creek, right? She was catapulted to stardom when she was cast as one of the four stars stars on the 90s teen drama. Katie played Girl Next Door, I mean, of course, fitting. <laughs> Joey Potter and was the show's breakout star according to Rolling Stone at the time.
0: Yeah, despite what it did for her career and how it all turned out, at first she was hesitant to go on the show. So when the Dawson's Creek crew first saw Katie's audition tape, they instantly wanted to fly her out. They instantly saw potential there. She actually turned them down. She said it was the opening night of her school play. She didn't want to let her friends down and not be there. So she forced the studio to reschedule and kind of move their plans around this relatively
1: completely unknown teenager. Yeah, quite incredible when you think about that. 6.8 million young people watched the premiere of the show, which did make her basically famous overnight. And I think it's interesting, like looking back at Dawson's Creek, I don't know how much of the show you've watched, Mish. I feel like I've only watched a couple of episodes here and there. Like I don't have a great sense of you know, season to season, but Mm. I've definitely seen her in it. But it was almost like a puberty blues-ish kind of show. Pretty sexy.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like teenagers coming of age discovering things, and a lot of the discovery happens to be pertaining to sex. Yes,
1: exactly. And I feel like that has to be one of the main reasons that it was quite (laughs) popular. I used to live for this shit as a teenager. I would love to go back and watch this show. I would love to. The year following season one of Dawson's Creek, she did not one but three films as well. She was really starting to get a bunch of work under her belt. They were Disturbing Behaviour, Killing Mrs. Tingle, and an indie film called Go, if you don't mind.
0: Yeah, she was absolutely taking off. In that interview with Rolling Stone, she is described as having, and I quote, "...the kind of qualities that seem almost old-fashioned in this look-at-me age. Modesty, empathy, honesty. There is not a jaded bone in her body. She is so sweetly wholesome and genuine that she seems to be a throwback to another era, one in which mum stayed at home and dad gently taught you right from wrong." feels a little bit
1: sexist. Yeah, it's an interesting quote. I mean, it finished by saying families helped each other out and people went to church on Sundays. I understand what they're trying to say, that she is so almost pure Mm. that it is reminiscent of an older time. But that older time when women were expected to be that pure wasn't a great time for women. (laughs) Ah, the good old days where we
0: had zero power and couldn't do anything. I've also got to say, I can't imagine a journalist praising a young male actor's sense of modesty. Like modesty and women seems to be very loaded to me.
1: Yeah, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I mean, another probably significant fact for the purpose of this story too, is that Katie from a really young age was reportedly a huge romantic. So in that same interview with Rolling Stone, where we're really getting all of the good stuff (laughs) She lamented the fact that people in Hollywood didn't seem to respect the institution of marriage. Mm. She said, you know what's trendy in Hollywood that I can't stand? Everybody in LA never wants to get married. I mean, I don't want to get married now, but I want to grow old with somebody. And I've met a couple of people who are younger than myself who are atheists and adamant about that. To be so young and to not have been given the chance to be a certain religion is, I don't know if I agree with it. So not only very conventional
0: with the life that she." sees herself leading, but also very religious based on that quote. It sounds like she did have quite a tight relationship with Catholicism.
1: Yeah, that is what is so interesting reading these quotes, particularly her being so Catholic and coming clearly from such a Catholic household, marrying someone we know in Tom Cruise, who is not Catholic, but a Scientologist. (laughs) So she had two pretty high profile relationships before dating Tom Cruise, Mish. Her first love was actually her Dawson's Creek co-star, Joshua Jackson. Very wholesome again. (laughs) Super wholesome. They dated during season one of filming, which would have made the the other seasons a little difficult. Oh God, isn't that always the way though? I feel like these young teen stars date
0: in season one and then have to deal with their ex for another like five years after that. Yeah,
1: there's a whole other scandal series (laughs) in the One Tree Hill drama that happened (laughs) with that.
0: She also dated fellow actor Chris Klein from 2000. They actually got engaged. They were engaged in 2003, broke up in 2005. So again, she's really on the pathway to marriage as a very young 20-something. She did say while she was still engaged to Klein, though, to one reporter, I used to think I was going to marry Tom Cruise. How
1: are there always these little tidbits? It's
0: almost like people see far into the future and then lay these little Easter eggs along the way. It's just crazy how celebrities kind of breadcrumb us to this stuff.
1: Is it manifesting? Maybe is this it's manifesting. Is what it is? This
0: Ma- is the wish or what's it called? That wishing thing
1: where you just think it and it'll appear in front of you. Manifesting? I'm trying to the secret. It's the secret. I uh, He's like talking about what manifesting is. <laughs> As we know, Tom Cruise was looking for a new wife himself in 2004, 2005. He'd just split from Nicole Kidman. He'd also split from Penelope Cruz. And the church's alleged pursuit of a partner for him also didn't work out. But he wasn't single for long because in April 2005, just a couple of months after he split from Nazanin, Tom met Katie. So we're in April 2005, and Tom. Cruise
0: and Katie Holmes have crossed paths. To be honest, we have no real clarity on exactly when and where the first date took place. If you listen to reports out of W Magazine, it apparently happened on Tom Cruise's private plane where he served
1: Katie sushi. Yeah, she's pretty cagey about this first date. And what's so funny about that is they weren't cagey about anything else in their (laughs) entire relationship. They were very open about it, but they are very protective over this first date. So when they met, and actually not just when they met, for the entirety of their lives, they had a (laughs) 17-year age gap. (laughs) They really closed that gap over the time they were together. Yeah, that doesn't change. And it was actually only a month or so after Katie and Chris Klein had called off their engagement. So suddenly Tom and Katie find themselves single. And part of me wonders if this is why they're a bit cagey on their first date. As you said that, I'm like, this would be the reason. Yeah. Maybe they met when she was, I mean, one month between
0: calling off your engagement and being publicly linked to the biggest movie star in the world. I'm just putting it out there. It wouldn't be surprising if things were a little blurry. It is the only detail. It is they don't talk about. Why else wouldn't they just give us every juicy
1: tidbit about this first date unless there's something to hide? I also love that we've spent that much time in this script and this is the first time we've (laughs) made that connection too. Like that wasn't actually something we'd thought of before. Anyway, so they were first photographed together in Rome. Cruz was receiving some high-profile film award called the David D. Donatello Award for Lifetime. Achievement. A source did tell people that the couple had been dating for a
0: couple of weeks at this point. So, again, timelines are very confusing. That said, that was all April. Things are a little bit murky. By May, things are the opposite of Murky. These two are madly in love with each other and they want to tell the world about it. It was in May 2005 that Tom did that iconic Oprah Winfrey interview where he was jumping up repeatedly on the couch and proclaiming to the world how in love he was with Katie Holmes. He was chasing her through the studio to then drag her up on stage and kiss her in front of everyone before they cut to an ad break. Like, this
1: was a spectacle and they'd only been together for a matter of weeks. Yeah, that's what I didn't realise at the time. I think I thought that they had been together for much longer. For when like he, a year. When he did this interview. The funniest part about this is we really wanted to play you snippets from this interview because it's just so <laughs> batshit interesting. <laughs> But it's really hard to get good audio. I think you need to be watching it. We will obviously put YouTube clips in the show notes, but he's just incredibly giddy to the point where he almost looks high. And I don't mean on drugs or anything. I just mean like high. It's a sense of like
0: frenzy, right? Like the whole stage, there are screaming people in the audience. The, The audience were nuts for it. People in the audience were screaming when he came out from backstage. It was almost like they had seen... Christ
1: himself walk in front of them on water or something. This, I think I guarantee anyone listening to this, when you go and watch this footage, it will be far more intense than you probably remember. We'll put it up on the Instagram account. Yeah, that's actually very true. We'll be on Shameless Podcast by the time you are listening to this episode. But it's when he runs backstage to pull Katie out and the camera's following him running through green rooms (laughs) and corridors. (laughs) And Katie's just like standing there like a deer in headlights, pulled out on stage and then they start making out on stage. It is bizarre and yes, Just to remind you, they were only together for about five weeks. Yeah,
0: and I mean, she looked a little bit shocked at first, but you've got to say she Loved it. She loved it just as much as Tom did. I mean, she was the one who kind of turned to him and initiated the kiss before they cut to the camera. Like, she was very keen to have this out and have this public as much as Tom was. Interestingly, and I mean, we don't have much information on this, but it's just a good question to ask or ponder, I wonder how Katie Holmes's family felt about this. This is a man who has a history of some interesting relationships and interesting spirituality. He is very publicly doting on their daughter. I wonder what they all thought. I wonder what the very wholesome Katie Holmes family was
1: thinking. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, we'll find out a little bit later what they were thinking and how they helped her. But for now, we're not actually sure. And it was only going to get more intense and more concrete as the months went by. But before we get there, before we get to the engagement and the marriage and the wedding and all of it, (laughs) here's a word from today's sponsor.
0: All right, Zara, before the break, we spoke about it. Things were only going to get more intense between Tomcat, which, FYI, was the celebrity couple name for Tom Cruise and Katie Holmes. Probably
1: the best celebrity. Yeah, I think. I don't mind it, Tomcat. It makes sense. There were some terrible ones around at the time. What was your least favourite? Oh, now I can't remember.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Come to us with your least favourite celebrity couple names, please. So things are getting more intense. It is June. So after meeting in April-ish, Katie and Tom are now in June 2005. And Katie is officially converting from Catholicism to the Church of Scientology. She was 26 years old.
1: It also probably should be noted that around this time, she fired her management, her agent, and her publicist. So things were really starting to change in Katie's world. And a few days later, after she'd converted to Scientology and all these changes were happening on June 16, 2005. Tom proposed to Katie. They were in Paris in a restaurant on the Eiffel Tower's second floor and it was just eight weeks after they reportedly met. You've got
0: to think that after the headaches with Tom Cruise, the Church of Scientology and his love life, I think an engagement or proposal was contingent on his partner officially being in the church
1: before things were like sealed. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's this really interesting piece from Vulture that we'll also put in the show notes that's kind of a recap of their entire relationship. And there was this really Interesting line from the journalist who wrote... He flew her in his 1944 Tuskegee Airmen P-51 Warbird, which he painted with the name Kiss Me Kate. Oh, Though twice divorced, Cruz waited only two months to propose marriage and he did so in Paris on top of the Eiffel Tower after dropping to one knee and presenting homes with a five-carat yellow solitaire diamond ring. Yeah, we did tell everyone
0: that they were not going to be very private about this relationship and in keeping with that tone, Tom Cruise announced the engagement in a press conference on the same day.
1: Yes. So timeline-wise, I'm pretty sure he proposed to Katie pretty late. Like it was like 12.30am, right? The next morning at about 10am, he was doing a press conference promoting his new movie, War of the Worlds. But instead of properly talking about the film, he announced his engagement like nine hours later. So there was really no sense of sort of privacy or protecting the news for themselves. At the press conference, he was like, I barely slept. I got engaged last night. And (laughs) it's wild. Again, everyone's so excited. Again, we'd play you a clip, but everything's
0: in French and I have no idea what's going on other than people being very, very excited. There were very quickly photos of Katie and Tom in front of the paparazzi showing off her ring. They actually wore like a matching couple outfit, Katie Holmes was wearing a purple dress. Tom was in a matching lilac shirt. They were kind of holding each other's hands up to photographers triumphantly showing off that five-carat yellow diamond ring. They were ecstatic. They were beaming. They were kissing a lot. Everything seemed very
1: up. Yeah, what it reminds me of with both of their hands in the air is like when someone wins a prize or a medal or something yeah. and someone like raises their arm together. Olympians! Like, yes, it's like they've won a prize or something. Shortly after they announced their engagement though, rumours started to fly around about whether this was an arranged marriage yeah. and I know that sounds like quite a quick turnaround but I think because these two had been so open, so public and the relationship had happened so quickly, The media were very intrigued by this. Mm,
0: There were questions and I think that's fair enough, not least because there was a pretty scathing profile about Katie Holmes in W Magazine, which literally opened with the line, the statistics on arranged marriage are surprising. The headline and the stand first also really set up this tone that Katie Holmes was a woman without
1: much agency, perhaps? 100%. I mean, the headline was... Katie Holmes cult classic, the actress enters a weird world called Tomcat. The stand first, which is the line that sits underneath the headline read, she's landed the role of a lifetime, beautiful bride of the world's biggest movie star. What's so weird about that? Yeah. So
0: the opening of this piece, which we spoke about before saying the statistics on arranged marriage are surprising, spoke about the rates of arranged marriages in countries like Afghanistan, India, Iraq, Iran and Japan. Now, they did this in a weird way where they said, oh, there's nothing to say that Tom and Katie are an arranged marriage. We're just talking about arranged marriages anyway.
1: Yeah, this line, of course, theirs isn't an arranged marriage, though it was certainly arranged quickly. What? What does that even mean? (laughs) They also went on to write, The awesomely public couple had all of six weeks, during much of which Holmes was on the Batman Begins junket to decide that they loved each other, that they wanted to spend their lives together and that they would buck a Hollywood convention to say nothing of common sense and sing their joy from the mountaintops. Or from flashbulb blitz press conferences, red carpets, and vastly popular TV talk shows. <laughs> Arranged marriages are measured, often solemn affairs. The fist-pumping pomp of the cruise Holmes union is another story, and the more times Holmes tells it, the stranger it sounds. Yeah, this article
0: is one of the wildest celebrity profile pieces I have ever read, Agree. because I think it is very symptomatic of those relationships that a lot of us know in our personal lives, where things move a little bit too quickly. And you start to be a little bit concerned that instead of it being a healthy, mutually beneficial romantic relationship, there's like a layer of obsession between the two people involved that can
1: often be volcanic. Yes. And I think it's one of those things where people worry, is it going to be fast rise, quick crash? Yes. It wasn't a quick crash, to be honest, but it was an incredibly fast rise. Katie really left nothing off the table here. She told W Magazine, and she was only 26 at the time, I found the man of my dreams. From the moment I met him, I just felt like I'd known him forever. I was blown away. He's the most incredible man. He's so generous and kind, and he helps so many people, and he makes me laugh like I've never laughed and is a great friend. Now, Katie was so glowing
0: about her new fiancé in this piece that the reporter was almost trying to get anything out of her that was even neutral about Tom. Like he was asking her, does he leave stuff around the house? Is he not the best cook? Like just very banal stuff, but Katie would not budge. She repeatedly said, Tom is the most incredible man in the world. He's the man of my dreams. She literally said there is nothing he does that frustrates her or annoys her.
1: It almost read a little bit robotic too. Like it would be like you and I having an exchange and you asking me – Does your partner leave dirty socks on the floor? And I say, he is the man of my dreams. Yes. You saying, does he annoy you a little bit and I'd be like, he's the best person I've ever met. Like almost flatly refusing to answer the question and just rolling out these same answers time and time again. It is odd to read. The piece also quoted People magazine that published polls indicating that the majority of its audience or its readership believed that Tomcat was a hoax. That was very much the mood of the time.
0: Yeah, a PR stunt. They also included that Katie Holmes was flanked in this interview by a new woman in her life by the name of Jessica Rodriguez. Now, Jessica Rodriguez was considered, and I quote, her Scientologist chaperone. She even interjected in the interview when Katie Holmes struggled to answer a question about Tom and often reminded her, like, You love Tom. You adore Tom. Tom's the best thing to happen to you. At one point, when Katie was asked about the negative press around her, Rodriguez did jump in and said, we don't read that stuff because it's just
1: rude. We. We. Yeah, the we is very interesting. The funniest part about this interview is as Katie was being interviewed by the journalist, Tom sent an armed courier to deliver a Chanel diamond necklace in the middle of the interview. Mm. Katie responded by squealing, he's my man, he's my man. I can't even act that line out (laughs) because I don't even know how to match the tone. Poor Ollie, if you never said that to him. He's my man, he's (laughs) my man. I mean, in fairness, he's never delivered me a Chanel diamond necklace, so perhaps it's his own fault. And imagine us being asked in an interview, do your boyfriends or
0: your fiancé ever do something that annoys you? We'd be like, where do we begin? (laughs) How (laughs) much
1: time do you have?
0: I'm kidding. (laughs) Meanwhile, back in Ohio, which is Katie's hometown, tabloids were reporting that Tom was potentially going to sabotage Katie's career. I mean, apparently Katie was suddenly pulling out of roles because the Church of Scientology didn't approve of the message that the movies were sending. And people tended to be quite concerned that this new relationship, her getting rid of her entire team, her being swallowed up by the Church of Scientology, was going to make her... I guess, a sidekick of Tom instead of a great actress in her own right.
1: Yeah. So what's curious here is Katie had actually been set to play the role of the drug addicted Edie Sedgwick in the movie Factory Girl that was released in 2006. Sienna Miller actually ended up taking that role because Katie had pulled out and there was really no explanation as to why she was pulling out of these things. I mean, in the W Magazine interview, she promised that she wasn't pulling out because of pressure from Tom. She said, he doesn't put pressure on people. He is the kindest, smartest, most adoring man. It is a pleasure and privilege to be with him.
0: It's a privilege to be with him is an interesting line to use about your romantic partner. It almost puts them up on this pedestal that yes. they are godlike
1: and you are lucky to be in their orbit. Yes. And I, I think most people would say, I am lucky to have my partner in their life. But there is a difference, I think, particularly in the context of a 17 year age gap where we're talking about it is a privilege to be with him. I am so lucky. I almost shouldn't fuck this up or say anything.
0: Yeah, I think it's normal to say I am so lucky, but I think most people would also counter that with he is also or she is also yes. or they are also lucky to have me in return. Now, W Magazine really cemented this kind of Katie Holmes as a brainwashed, subservient woman rhetoric with this cutting line in the piece. They wrote, the lady doth protest not nearly enough.
1: This became a pretty iconic line when it came to Katie Holmes. That. Katie didn't protest enough that she was the meek and mild partner of Tom Cruise. I mean, again, it didn't take long for things to progress even further. In October 2005, Tomcat officially announced that they were expecting a child. Again, they'd met in April. By October, they're announcing their pregnancy. So they must have been engaged and pregnant within five to six months of meeting. It'd be wild to be Chris Klein and be engaged to someone for two (laughs) years
0: and then realise in the space of what? four or five months, they are not
1: only engaged to someone
0: else, they're pregnant to someone else as well. In a TV interview with Barbara Walters, Tom Cruise actually revealed that he was buying his own ultrasound machine so he could track his baby's movements and developments whenever he wanted, which maybe a Scientologist will come back to me on this one. Slightly confused about that given Scientology doesn't like Western medicine, but they do like ultrasound machines which use the principles of Western medicine
1: super confusing but i think what this news did is it fed into this kind of narrative that tom Cruise was incredibly controlling around the pregnancy and the birth i mean there were these insane rumors that dogged the couple when katie holmes actually gave birth to daughter suri and one of the biggest rumors at the time that people might remember was that Katie wasn't allowed to have painkillers during the birth and that Katie had to have a, quote, silent birth, which everyone interpreted to mean that she wasn't allowed to make any noises during the birth. However, in Tom's defence, he did come out to the media before the birth and clarified that a silent birth just means that people around the mother are supposed to be quiet and that Katie would be allowed to have as many painkillers as she wants. But it is all just to say... There was an incredible lack of public trust in Tom Cruise. I think Mm. there was an incredible sense of cynicism around Tom Cruise. And these rumours were so vicious that I actually don't even remember the clarification. I only remember the rumour.
0: Yeah, the rumours were so vicious. People even said that she wasn't pregnant. The baby wasn't theirs. The baby didn't exist. Like, every rumour under the sun was running riot during this time. In April 2006, though, almost a year to the day that the couple made their first public appearance – Tom Cruise and Katie Holmes announced the birth of their daughter, Suri. They kind of commemorated this. They celebrated this with a pretty iconic shoot in Vanity Fair later that year.
1: Yeah, little Suri was wearing socks by Baby Dior and it was (laughs) shot by Annie Leibovitz. And it was a pretty iconic shoot. I mean, it actually was quite a sweet shoot, if Mm. I'm going to be honest. They are a good looking family shot by an incredible photographer for one of the most famous publications in the world, like there is very little that could go wrong. Yeah. And one month after the
0: shoot, they were walking down the aisle together. The wedding in November 2006 was a complete deviation away from the private Tom that we've known and not necessarily loved in the first two episodes. I mean, to Mimi Rogers and Nicole Kidman, incredibly quiet, incredibly private wedding ceremonies. The wedding to Katie Holmes was anything but that. Katie Holmes and Tom got married in a castle in Italy. Katie wore two dresses, including an exquisite pearl-coloured off-the-shoulder Armani gown to walk down the aisle adorned with Swarovski crystals. According to People magazine, the dress took 350 hours to bead.
1: Yeah, that's not accounting for the hours the dress actually was put together. That is just for the crystals. The wedding reportedly cost upwards of $3 million. Dinner was serenaded by Andrea Bocelli of course. And as you said, Mitch, this wasn't one of those quiet weddings that we found out about much later, like his first two marriages. And the carefully orchestrated press did continue after the wedding. I mean, the couple gave Hello Magazine an exclusive 34-page run of their wedding photos.
0: Yeah, they also wanted the PR to talk about the star-studded guest list as well. They invited Giorgio Armani, Will and Jada Smith were there, Victoria Beckham wearing What should be renowned as one of her more iconic Iconic. wedding outfits ever. We also had J Lo. Apparently, reportedly, the Church of Scientology was trying to get J Lo in their clutches at the time. So let's have a brief sidebar about that because I did not know that,
1: nor did I, and I also didn't know that J Lo and Leah Remini were best friends. Are best friends still? Still, yes. So Leah Remini, you might remember, we mentioned in the last episode because she is an actress who is a former Scientologist. She was the one that came out and said that. Cole Kidman's daughter, Bella, referred to her mum as a fucking SP.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So Leah and JLo were seated next to each other at the wedding. I imagine at this time it's kind of awkward, like your best friend is part of this religion. The religion itself is really trying to pull you into the inner circle and yet you don't want to. It sounds like JLo was a pretty incredible person to Leah throughout this time. She always supported Leah's religion, but when Leah wanted to leave, she was
1: also that person by her side helping her get out. Yeah, but back to the wedding very quickly, though. I mean, it should be no surprise to anyone that church leader David Miscarvage was Tom's best man. Ah. As Vanity Fair (laughs) wrote, reflecting on the marriage, Katie Holmes had a mad school crush on the older Tom Cruise and to many close observers, she had a third person in her marriage. Sounds very familiar. Doesn't it sound familiar? Like every relationship Tom Cruise has ever had, (laughs) the third member is always David Miscarvage. I mean, in the intervening years... Tom and Katie seemed happy-ish. I mean, there's not a lot... On them in this time, right? Yeah, all
0: we really have are quotes from a former Scientologist known as JB. He actually used to oversee the maintenance of Tom Cruise's houses and says that he grew quite close to Tom and Katie while he was maintaining one of their properties over Christmas in 2007. He told the media that he actually sat at the dinner table every night with Tom and Katie and their guests when Suri was a baby. He described Suri as a bundle of joy. He also told Vanity Fair that Tom and Katie would be sitting by themselves late at night talking and laughing and kissing the picture perfect couple who seemed genuinely
1: happy yeah that's about the only insight we have but still the public perception of Katie as a subservient little woman continued like People magazine retrospectively wrote about the five-year marriage that Katie had been seen as quiet passive and unerringly content to play back up to the world's highest earning movie star
0: I mean, who's to say that wasn't what she wanted? Like that is fine. If you have a young child or if, even if you don't, if that's just the role you want to play in life, that is totally fine. It would just be interesting to know whether that was accurate and that's really what Katie wanted or if we decided that from the earliest of days and then put that on her.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with that. It makes you wonder like where did it start to go wrong? Mm. Because There's something that's been kind of unnerving the entire time about this relationship, but where did it really start to fall apart? And what's really curious is people still kind of considered their union and act right to the very end. Like, I mentioned a piece from Vulture earlier in this episode which did kind of chronicle their relationship and it told the story in this piece about them going to a play together four months before they split or four months before, I should say, Katie announced that she was filing for divorce. And in this story, the witnesses tell Vulture that in intermission, Katie and Tom stood in this darkened area near the bathroom. And you know in intermission, everyone's out in these like sort of public milling around places. everyone's people watching. I fucking love people watching at intermission. (laughs) Absolutely. You're just trying to get out of your seat. And this witness told Vulture, everyone's just staring at them. And he and Katie were extremely touchy-feely. They're giggling. He was kissing her. And everyone's like, wow, this is real. Because no one believes it's real. But if they weren't real, why would they be all over each other? Everything they do in public is over the top. But there was practically no audience. There were only five people waiting for the bathroom. This went on and on. He keeps kissing her. And we're like, this is strange that they're still kissing. Who goes out and has a makeout session with their wife? I mean, really, it felt like a poorly directed love scene. It's like you're kissing your girlfriend on the subway. If you kiss her 15 times, it starts to be less cool. By the end, I was just confused.
0: Yeah, it, I mean, it is interesting. One part of me is like, oh, are we just judging a couple who's really affectionate with each other? Some people are very affectionate physically and like to show their partner love that way. But then the other part of me does concede. If you've been with someone for five or six years, you are two of the most famous people in the entire world. Public displays of affection that literally don't stop and go on and on and on for minutes at a time do feel unusual. Yeah, it does.
1: If not unusual, very unique. I mean, it's super easy to look back with hindsight and to be like, okay, what was going on there? Because it was only a month later that they were photographed in public for the last time. And it's like, was the relationship falling apart behind the scenes? And one person was desperately still trying to win the other over. Do you know what I mean? There's definitely hallmarks of that. But something was definitely up because, as I said, they were only photographed for the last time a month later.
0: Yeah. And then all of a sudden, in mid-2012, Katie suddenly announced that she was leaving Tom Cruise after six years of marriage.
1: Yeah. And it did come as a massive shock to the world and also apparently to Tom, to be honest. I mean... Katie was not messing around when it came to this divorce. She hired two really powerful divorce lawyers. She asked for the sole custody and primary physical custody of their six-year-old daughter, Suri, and it felt very much like she went to extraordinary lengths to meticulously break free.
0: Yeah, per that Vulture article, there were reports of disposable cell phones, fired security staff and publicists, a secretly rented apartment in a strategic jurisdiction. This was... A meticulous strategy. Like this was very different to the Nicole and Tom Cruise divorce, where they had kind of shared custody of the kids. Everything was going by the book. They were trying to publicly give us the impression that things were amicable early on. Katie Holmes isn't doing that. She's going for primary physical custody and sole custody of Suri. That's strong and it makes me think. Was there ever a conversation leading up to this happening, perhaps on a disposable cell phone, between Katie Holmes and Nicole Kidman, sharing what went wrong with Nicole and Tom
1: and what Nicole would do differently? Yeah, I would be surprised, to be honest, if they didn't, because it very much feels like, looking back on this story... That Katie had a near impossible task getting out of that marriage Mm. with Suri in her sole custody. I mean, she filed for divorce when Tom was stuck overseas in Iceland filming Oblivion and wasn't able to fly back and react to the situation in person. So she very much wanted to be alone. According to the Hollywood Reporter, she also fired her stepdaughter. So Tom Cruise's daughter, Bella, who was working for Katie's clothing line at the time. And apparently this was because Katie didn't want anyone close to Tom working for her or in her life once she'd split. Yeah, it was almost like she was sitting back waiting for her moment. Tom Cruise flies to
0: Iceland and she goes, right, I'm doing this now and I'm getting out. It'd be fascinating to know who was helping her behind the scenes. It also makes you think... How does everything go so wrong so quickly? Again, it's that smoke and mirrors of celebrity couples. Former Scientology executives and prominent reporters on the church said it was because Katie became terrified of Scientology and the power that the church had over her husband and therefore the power it could have over their daughter together, Suri. I mean, according to reports, she was fearful that Suri could be taken away from her.
1: Yeah, that's what a lot of former Scientologists have told the media, that in the last few months before leading up to their separation, she wasn't nearly involved in Scientology. And other former Scientologists did speculate to Vanity Fair that she would have seen what allegedly happened to Nicole Kidman, and that was probably what she was terrified of Others did speculate that Katie just didn't want Suri growing up in the church. And I think it's really interesting with this backdrop that even Jenna Misgarvige Hill, the niece of David Misgarvige, who was the leader of the church, left Scientology in 2005, but actually released an incredibly explosive statement in support of Katie very shortly after the divorce was announced. She wrote... My experience in growing up in Scientology is that it is both mentally and at times physically abusive. I was allowed to see my parents only once a week at best, sometimes not for years. We got a lousy education from unqualified teachers forced labour, long hours, forced confessions, being held in rooms, not to mention the mental anguish of trying to figure out all of the conflicting information they force upon you as a child.
0: Yeah, after the divorce announcement made headlines, we heard again from former Scientology executive Marty Rathbun. He has featured a couple of times throughout this series. He spoke to The Hollywood Reporter and said that Katie was being very closely surveilled by the church throughout her marriage to Tom. He said that Tom's housekeepers and staff had spent the entire marriage surveilling and spying on Katie Holmes.
1: Yeah, another really powerful former executive who left the church in 2010 called Karen De La Carrière told The Hollywood Reporter at the time that Katie must have gone to serious lengths to keep her divorce plans from Tom and, most importantly, Scientology. She said to The Hollywood Reporter... I have no doubt that she's being tailed by them. It's par for the course. But she had to have planned this very carefully right down to using disposable cell phones and laptops to throw people off her trail. It had to have been a very cloak and dagger operation.
0: Mm, It definitely shows a level of intelligence and savviness that I don't think the public ever afforded Katie Holmes enough. Like this would not be easy. And for her to carry it out in the way that she did with the gumption that she did shows
1: intelligence and shows a lot of agency. A lot of grit, Yes, to be honest. I think what surprised the media, though, at this time was how public she was after the split. She was seen all over New York City. She showed up on the set of Project Runway, as she was supposed to, but she also appeared on the cover of the August issue of Elle magazine. Now, the interview with Elle, which was published within a month of the divorce announcement, was obviously written up. The interview was done sort of months before... Mm. They were even splitting. But it did kind of foreshadow their imminent split. Katie told Elle, I'm starting to come into my own. It's like a new phase. And when she was asked about Tom, she said, he has been Tom Cruise for 30 years. I know who I am and where I am and where I want to go. So I want to focus on that.
0: I wonder if the Elle reporters and the Elle magazine team who put that piece together were like, something is coming. A storm is brewing. To go from he's the love of my life, he's my man, he's my man, he's a diamond necklace while I'm doing an interview, to I want to focus on myself just five years later
1: is a massive deviation. Absolutely. As the New York Times wrote at the time, it's far from the please respect my privacy stance that most celebrities take when they announced their divorce, like she was walking through the streets of New York City, was papped a lot, Mm. wasn't she? She was very present. Absolutely. Janice Min, who is the
0: editorial director of The Hollywood Reporter, said the whole narrative on Katie Holmes was she's been brainwashed and lobotomized. She's a zombie for Scientology. That's what has made this whole saga breathtaking. Forget the princess in Brave, this is the heroine of the moment.
1: And I think this is probably where I fell in love with Katie Holmes. Yes! Hugely. Obsessed with her now. An incredible story. The divorce itself was settled pretty quickly, and it really makes me wonder how. Like, Mm. I I have no idea how they managed to do this. Katie got primary custody of Suri as she wanted. She also reportedly got sole residential custody of Suri, who was just six at the time. Tom was given significant custodial time with his daughter, so he wasn't phased out completely. Mm. But it makes you wonder genuinely, just speculating, what she must have signed in order to get her daughter. I mean, we don't know a lot. That's the interesting thing about this story.
0: All we can go off are the little dribs and drabs that people have given us. One such tidbit is in 2014 when Katie Holmes was on the cover of People magazine, she gave a rare quote about that time in her life, in that marriage, in that church, and she said, I don't want that moment in my life to define me or to be who I am. I don't want that to be what I'm known as. I was an actor before, an actor during, and an actor now.
1: Hey, I mean, she makes a very sound point. A year after Tom and Katie divorced, People magazine reported that a new guy was spotted dancing with Katie at a bull in the Hamptons, and that person happened to be fellow incredibly famous person, actor and comedian (laughs) Jamie Foxx, right? Yeah, two months after they were spotted dancing, though, Jamie
0: denied that they were a couple. He told Entertainment Tonight that the rumours were, and I quote, 100% not true. And this was going to be the line of dialogue for the following years that we would see glimpses of Katie Holmes and Jamie Foxx together over the years, or hear sources say
1: that they saw them together, yet we would get continual denials that they were a couple. Yeah, it wasn't like the average couple where you see them out and they're papped all the time shopping together. It was like stuff that was zoomed into buildings and you would Mm. see them together. Like it wasn't like they were trying to deny publicly that they were together, but acting like they were. They were also going to extreme lengths to not be seen together. And it wasn't until September 2017 that they were publicly photographed for the first time holding hands in Malibu. That was what many people assumed to be the sign that they were dating. And this was almost exactly five years after the divorce. Yeah, there were
0: a lot of rumours around this time that there might have been a five-year clause in the contract that maybe Katie agreed with Tom, I'm not going to be seen with another man for five years to, I don't know, save you from embarrassment, which I think is bullshit, but it lines up here.
1: Well, that's what a source told Radar Online, that Cruz had a clause in their settlement that prevented her from embarrassing him in various ways, like talking about him or Scientology or publicly dating another man for five years after the divorce. Mm. So it did make sense that the first time she was spotted with Jamie was in 2017, five years after her split from Tom. There were also many reports at the time. That this set of photos in Malibu of Katie and Jamie Foxx was set up, pap photos, that they could finally announce it. So they'd got someone to actually take the photos of them so they didn't have to be so explicit. Mm, It wasn't until the Met
0: Gala in 2019, so we're talking years and years into their relationship at this point, that they actually debuted as a couple. And even though they didn't walk the red carpet together, again being incredibly private, they did pose for photos together inside the event sadly, breaks my heart to say it, I really loved them together. They did reportedly split shortly
1: after ending six years together. Yeah, I don't know why I cared so much about that. I thought I thought they seemed nice together, but I don't know why I thought that. Yeah, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe people who know
0: Jamie Foxx will disagree with me here. He seems like a really relaxed, friendly, easygoing guy, which I think as a newfound fan of Katie Holmes at the time I thought was what she needed and what would have been so good for her.
1: Yeah. I mean, Katie's life now looks very different to how it did a decade ago. She is a single mom living in New York with Suri. Suri just turned 15. Oh my God. So she is reportedly single right now. She has just launched a new production company called Lafayette Pictures and has been working on a new movie that she wrote, directed, produced and starred in about two strangers who accidentally booked the same New York Airbnb and are forced to quarantine with each other. Can't tell if it's going to be rom-com or like creepy psychological thriller. Could go either way. Could
0: be a bit of both, to be honest. She's also remained pretty quiet about everything that went down with Tom and the church until last year. I mean, again, we still don't get very much, but she did tell in style. that time was so intense. It was a lot of attention and I had a little child on top of it. We had some funny moments out and about in public. Obviously as a public person I've gotten a lot of attention at different periods in my life and when you have a lot of attention sometimes you don't want to leave the house because it's just too much. You can get consumed by what people think but suddenly you just decide to do things on your own terms. I feel like I'm finally figuring that out. I'm getting the projects I want made and just relaxing a little. I've been around for a long time and I'm still here. I can't believe it. So that's Katie Holmes. That is Katie Holmes. It would not be the Scientology trilogy if we didn't finish with a recap on where
1: Tom Cruise is now. Exactly. In 2013, very interestingly, Cruise sued Bauer, Bauer Media, For $50 million after they reported that he abandoned his daughter, Suri, he said in a legal statement in Los Angeles, I have in no way cut Suri out of my life. So magazine articles that were published in September 2012 did argue that he'd abandoned Suri and this was three months after they had divorced. Yeah, so articles were alleging it only took three
0: months and all of a sudden Tom Cruise had left his daughter in the lurch and wasn't going to be a father figure to her anymore. As part of these legal proceedings, we did experience some honesty from Cruise in his deposition. He was asked by lawyers if the divorce was in part, and I quote, to protect Suri from Scientology. Cruz first responded saying that he found the question offensive and that there is no need to protect my daughter from my religion. But lawyers pushed the question again and asked if Katie Holmes ever indicated that she left their marriage because of Scientology, to which Cruz responded, did she say that? That was one of the assertions,
1: yes. So interesting. I mean the general consensus I think is that Tom Cruise and Suri Cruise haven't been seen or photographed together in public since 2013. According to Us Weekly, and keep in mind this is still a tabloid, but this story about the relationship between Suri and Tom is incredibly hard mm. to nut down. Tom is allowed to see Suri for 10 days a month, as outlined in the divorce settlement, but has chosen not to because of religious beliefs.
0: Yeah, so I mean, if Suri is not part of the church, does that make her a potential trouble source? Or even worse, does it make her a suppressive person? Yeah, 100%. I mean,
1: that's the beliefs of the church that we've come to learn over the last three episodes. And yeah. it's very clear that Suri is not a Scientologist. So I guess take the meaningful, that that you will
0: yeah fast forward to 2021 and we don't have much to say about tom cruise's love life he has not been publicly connected in a meaningful way to any woman since his marriage to katie holmes ended for what it's worth though he is being photographed and seen bloody everywhere he was in the stands of ash Barty's wimbledon win not that long ago he attended the finals of the euro championships in the soccer and he was one of the first people to hug Lewis Hamilton when he won the British Formula One Grand Prix.
1: Yeah, a big July 2021 for Tom Cruise. A and very it's like, sporty July. I was going to say, is the next frontier for Scientology sports stars? Like surely he's not going to get Lewis Hamilton on board, is he? I do I love Lewis
0: Hamilton. You do love Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Maybe if we're talking about influence, maybe sports stars are the next frontier. It didn't really work out with movie stars. So maybe Scientology
1: is trying to rejig their PR strategy. Yeah, maybe. And again, he is still trying... Trying to film Mission Impossible Seven in the middle of a pandemic, so who knows? Maybe in the next five years, when we do another recap on Tom Cruise, it'll we Mission Impossible Twelve?
0: <laughs> hey guys, this has been an absolute experience talking about Scientology for three episodes. I personally have learned so so much. I hope you guys have too. Come to us, tell us your feedback, talk to us about what you care about, what surprised you in these episodes. We are over on Instagram at Shameless Podcast. If you want to support Shameless and what we do here, if you like the content we put out every week, the best possible way to support us is to actually leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe. Or if you listen on Spotify, click the big follow button.
1: Yeah, thank you so much, guys. This episode was researched by Justine Landis-Hanley with help from you and iMish. We will be back as always in your ears on Monday. See you then.
0: Hello, guys. Mish here. I am the co-founder of Shameless Media. Thank you so much for giving us your ears and your mind and your time. We're so grateful. If you enjoy the stuff that we produce, may I recommend our brand new podcast, Style-ish stylish if you want to say it quickly, style-ish if you want to take the long way through. It is our podcast for all things fashion, brand, business, and beauty. If that is in your wheelhouse, if you care about style content, you will love this show. It is, of course, more than just a show as well. It is a newsletter. It is an Instagram feed. It is a TikTok account